have some fun. Before we get to the next thing in the war on you, I just, that was too heavy. We need to lighten this up because actually, you know what? This may, this may get dark. I can't say Jesse, I'm in line at Chick-fil-A and I'm listening to you talk about the versatility of peanut butter. I feel like it's my responsibility to suggest that you try it with apples because there's nothing better than slicing up an apple and dipping those chunks of apple. I don't care what color. I don't care if it's sour or sweet. Just dip it in peanut butter and thank me later. Her name is Dawn. Okay, Dawn, let's have a chat. Just you and me talking, Dawn. All right, talking to you directly. Don't ever come on this show pitching for apples again. I'm tired. I'm tired of living a lie. I'm tired of living the lie. Shut up, Chris. I'm tired of living the lie that apples are decent. No, no. You know what? They are decent. All right. They're not worth it. They're not worth it. They're so hard. And then you have to say, well, why don't you just slice them up? Okay, so now I've got to pull out a cutting board. I've got to slice it. Well, Jesse, but they're good in peanut butter. A dirty jock strap is good in peanut butter. That doesn't mean apples are good. I'm tired of the apple guy. An apple a day. You know, you know what? How about some blueberries? How about some strawberries? You know, you know what's you know what? You know what no one has ever done? In the history of mankind, I don't know how many billions of people have lived. I went to community college. I didn't research it. But there's a lot of people who have lived on the history of this planet. Nobody has ever bitten into a juicy nectarine with just the juices running down their chin (laughs) and said to themselves, man, I wish this was an apple. I could go for an apple right now. That has never happened. Yet the nectarine gets no love. Have you ever had nectarine pie? No, you haven't. No one's even come up with that idea, nectarine pie. How about some nectarine juice? If I go to the store, I'm looking at a sea of apple juice when apples hardly have any juice. How many apples have to be murdered to get that little one liter thing of apple juice? But I don't get that, do I? I don't get my nectarine juice. Why? Because Big Apple has a big lobbying arm. What, Chris? You think I don't see the conspiracies behind it? You think we've been talking tonight about the lies? You don't even know you've been lied to, Chris. You've been lied to. I'm on to you, Big Apple. I see what you're doing, crowding everyone else out. What, Chris? What do I think of applesauce? Oh, I I think it's wonderful. Of course. Blend uh, blend up some apples so they're finally freaking edible without shattering your front teeth. You look like Leon Spinks by the time you're done eating an apple. Blend up some apples and put cinnamon in them. Of course it's delicious. That's not a defense of the apple. You could do that with broccoli and it would... Okay, that's too far. You couldn't do it with broccoli. And again, this wasn't apple hate. I'm just tired of all this apple talk. It's gotten to me, Chris. It's gotten to me. Speaking of Big Apple, let's talk about Kathy Hochul for a minute. The war on you. I'm not going to go into all the details of it because it gets way in the weeds. But New York's working on a budget right now. That's just the latest example of the war on you. And remember this. Remember something. When Republicans get elected, you've seen this your entire life. I know you have. When Republicans get elected, they spend virtually every minute apologizing for their friends to their enemies. All all the time. How many Republicans? Well, I mean, those January 6th guys. I agree with Chuck Schumer. They did what, look, we did almost die. Chuck, you make a good point. Chuck, we're friends, right? Hey, let's meet up for cocktails after. 
when Democrats get elected, and they're all communists now, they do what communists have always done. They spend every waking moment doing one of two things. There's only one of two things they ever do. Reward their friends, punish their enemies. That's what they do. You want to know what else is coming for you? Hochul's new budget plan for New York, it's going to force low-income housing into suburban areas. Now, why? What's the purpose of that? Well, you know how we've talked before about the election map? How, look, we're talking about it. Let's just bring it up. New York's election map. Go pull up New York's election map. Congressional election map. Just uh, do an internet search if you're not driving right now. New York's election map. I'll tell you what. I got my phone beside me. I'll do it right here. We'll do it together. New York. Chris, this is good. Congressional. Wait, that's a hard word. Why won't autocorrect? What, Chris? New York congressional election map. Now, what do you see? You just did it with me unless you're driving. But what do you see? Oh, my gosh. It's so red it looked red there just aren't very many blue areas well democrats can read too barely but they can read they look at that you look at that election map and i'll tell you what you do you talk about maybe the cities wow new york city messing everything up or maybe you talk about Rural America, sharing your values. Like that, that's how you look at it. Okay, how do we get to the city? Or maybe I should move. That's how you look at it. You know what Democrats see when they look at that map? Oh, I see my friends live here and my mortal enemies live here. And I don't like it that there's so much red and so little blue. My enemies have so much ground. Well, how do I, how do I change that? How do I punish them? Oh, I know. I'll simply steal their money. I'll steal their tax dollars and I'll use it to buy low income housing in these red areas and turn it blue. Now, that's a sick, cynical way to look at the world. You don't have to look at the world that way. You shouldn't. But you also have to understand that is how the communist looks at the world. He looks and thinks, uh oh. There are my enemies out there just sitting there in suburbia. They're just out there. They're just out there on Long Island being Republican. How can I get them? How can I get those? You know what I'll do? You know what I'll do? I'll simply take a big chunk of the money that the Republicans are paying into the state coffers and I'll build a bunch of housing projects right in the middle of where they live and destroy what they've built for themselves. You would never think that way. But as long as we're having revealing moments tonight on the world-famous Jesse Kelly show, congratulations, that's exactly how they look at it. They get in a room, and they sit down, and they strategize. Okay, guys, what's on the agenda today? Are we rewarding our friends or punishing our enemies? Because those are the only two things we're doing. There's a reason there's a housing project coming to a suburb near you. You didn't think that congressional map was just going to go unnoticed, did you? All right. Enough. We have to talk about... You know, we're getting, i got to get away from politics for a minute, Chris. We have to talk about remote work. Can I talk about remote work? I've gone off on this before. 
We're about to go off on some remote work. No, if you work remotely, you're not going to be insulted. Actually, you might be insulted. I insult people a lot on accident. But either way, we're going to talk about how the world... On accident, Chris. We're going to talk about how the world's economy has changed. We're going to talk about how... You can do better. Not, not personally. You're probably stuck where you are. Oh, I'm kidding. No, you can do better. But how can we all be better? I've been thinking about this a lot lately. How can I be better? Now, I know what you're thinking, Jesse. There are a whole lot of ways you could be better. But how do I do more good this year than I've ever done? How do you do more good? Running for office, working. How do we do more good? Maybe you could, maybe you could save a baby's life this year. $28 to preborn saves a baby's life. That $28 to preborn, it goes to an ultrasound, providing a free ultrasound to a baby that's about to be aborted and that baby's mother so she can hear that heartbeat and choose life. 28 bucks, 28 bucks, and you can sit down with your family that night and discuss the life you just saved today. Preborn.com slash Jesse. Go save a life tonight, all right? Sponsored by Preborn. Be back. Jesse Kelly. Back soon. This is the best of Mark Levin. I'm fascinated, I really am, by hearing 25, 30, 32 year olds who know very little about even recent European military history. Very little about World War II. Very little about 100, 150 years ago in European history. All of which involves Russia and Ukraine and Poland and Romania, the Balkan states, and on and on and on. Telling us what our foreign policy should be. And they all say the same thing. Like the, like the Marxist left. They repeat the same thing. How long is this going to go on? I hate to tell these millennials, we don't know. It's not a video game. How much money are we going to spend? Whatever money we spend, we need to make sure it goes where it's supposed to go. So it's not abused and frivolously used, but... These wars do involve military equipment. And why is it any of our business? I don't know. Was it any of our business? When Italy invaded North Africa? When Japan invaded China? When the Third Reich invaded the Sudetenland and Austria and part of the Czechoslovakia Republic and so forth? Well, back then we decided it wasn't any of our business. That it wasn't any of our business. Were we right? So these military machines build up, all three, the Axis powers. They built these alliances. Hitler was a big fan of Mussolini. Tojo was a big fan of himself. And the rest is history. But do we know the history? I think that's an important question. One man who 
says he knows history and has spent a lot of time studying it is Vladimir Putin. And I've mentioned this before. Even though it's a heavy read, he put out an opinion piece in the Russian media, picked up by the European media, on July 12, 2021, a year and a half ago. And he laid out what he thought would be his persuasive case for greater Russia. He's a big fan. He admires Peter the Great. He admires the early czars. Talks about greater Russia. But in this piece, if you take your time and unravel it, he's talking about Russia, that Ukraine and Russia are the same thing. That there are lands in Romania, territory that are Russian. There are lands, there are territory in Poland that are Russian. He mentions Lithuania, a Balkan state, that are Russian. And he says there have been endless efforts by the West to detach Russia from its historic territories. And he said during the high period of the Soviet Union, He said there were republics within the Soviet Union, but the Soviet Union was a single country. So while there were these borders, they were never considered separate state or separate country borders. Just various republics within the Soviet Union, like states. The problem is most of those republics consider themselves captive nations and that Putin's history is bogus Putin was not going to stop at Ukraine he tells us this Poland is probably the most aggressive country Poland and Romania and the Balkan states they are the most aggressive countries trying to provide whatever military support they have, whatever military they have to the Ukrainians because they believe they're next and they do not believe that NATO and the United States will protect them or defend them we know this from the Prime Minister of Poland himself other countries like Sweden want to join NATO why? Because Putin says even parts of Sweden really belong to Ukraine. And Ukraine belongs to Russia. To greater Russia. Finland. Which was a neutral country during World War II is scared to death. Why are these countries so worried? Because they know their history and they know their experience with the Russians. 
And Putin keeps bringing it up. So people who say, this is very important to understand. This isn't about globalism or neoconservatism, whatever that is, or warmonger. So people are saying, here's Ukraine, which had 44 million people and has 25% less now. That is fighting. The people are fighting. They're not surrendering. It's not Afghanistan. They are fighting. They are not surrendering. They're saying we just need the arms to fight them. Because their arms, their most sophisticated weapons were drained out of the country by the Russians in 1994 and beyond. And so they, they barely had their own army. Barely had their own air force. They don't have any nuclear weapons. So they can't make threats the way Russia does. And so these are people who are fighting and dying because they want to be free of Russia. And Putin has written, it's all out there in the public record, that this isn't really a war against the Ukrainian people, it's a war against, you know, Zelensky and the Nazis and all the rest of it. But the public record also shows that he wants to destroy the Ukrainian people, much the way Stalin starved out the Ukrainian people and killed three to six million of them in one year. The Ukrainians aren't stupid. They know what's on their border. They know what they're dealing with. This war has been going on for what will be one year on February 24th, I believe. Russia invaded Ukraine, not the other way around. Ukraine is not attacking Russian cities. Ukraine is not capturing Russian civilians and moving them into concentration camps and slave labor. Ukraine has not destroyed Russian Russia's ability to create energy and on and on and on Ukraine is the victim and yet the Ukrainians are fighting back in ways that nobody expect they would or could with or without weapons these are people with a long history the Poles are doing everything they can to back the Ukrainians because they know the Ukrainians are effectively fighting for them The Romanians know the same thing. The Baltic states know the same thing. As do most of the other countries in Eastern Europe, particularly the ones that ring Ukraine. Moldavia is scared to death. Tiny little country with a police force. Can be gobbled up in an afternoon. When people say, how do you know Putin will do this? They're the same people who say Putin keeps threatening us with nukes. Well, how do they know he'll do that? Well, what if he does? He won't. But he will, if he can cut through Ukraine, continue. In my opinion. Because Joe Biden demonstrated to him in his surrender in Ukraine 
that he will not confront Putin at the NATO line. He will not do it. I find most of the people who play stupid when it comes to Russia and Ukraine or who cherry-pick the information to make Ukraine look bad and Russia look like the victim, that most of these people don't believe in NATO either. That though most of these people don't believe that we should be helping South Korea either. That most of these people don't believe that we should be helping the state of Israel either. Which is understandable. It is a consistent illogic, if you will. A consistent illogic. Now you say China is now going to be helping Russia. China's always been helping Russia. The Biden administration has been covering it up. But China is also working with Iran. China is also in our hemisphere. China also has a navy that's bigger than ours. China is also trying to take over the South China Sea, where five to six trillion dollars in economic activity take place. China is threatening Japan. China is threatening the Philippines. China is threatening even Vietnam has come to us, and of course they're threatening Taiwan. China will help Russia if China thinks it's in its own strategic best interest. Period. And I think it does think so. Much the way Japan and Italy and Germany made an alliance. We're not responsible for it. We didn't cause it. We didn't provoke it. The people of Ukraine deserve our thanks rather than the other way around. It is amazing to me how much people say we're spending in Ukraine, which is a lot, by the way. But it's nothing close to the amount of money we spend in this country and waste in redistribution of wealth, pursuing Marxist agendas, left-wing groups, destroying our own economy, destroying our own energy independence, and on and on and on. And it amazes me when they say, we should be spending this money in our own country. No, we should be slashing the money we spend in our own country. Slashing it. Because the vast majority of you don't see a dime of it. It's not for you. And the idea that if we get out of Ukraine, we're suddenly going to build a southern border, it's just stupid. It's, Ill- it's insane. Nothing stops us from doing it today. It is the Ukrainians who are preventing World War III right now. The Ukrainians who are standing up to the Russians and preventing their T-tanks, their Tiger tanks from... Rolling through Ukraine into Poland. Rolling through Ukraine into Romania. Rolling through Ukraine into the Balkan states. It is the Ukrainians who are preventing it. What evidence do I have? I have my number one witness, Vladimir Putin. That's the evidence I have. Mark Levin. 
of those who are our so-called leaders and those who wish to be our so-called leaders. And it's this. There are two countries where there's a potential war. Russia and China. The great direct threat to us is communist China. So let me talk about that first. It is important for you to take note of which congressmen, which senators, which presidents, which would-be presidents, presidential candidates, get this right. You know, after the attack on Pearl Harbor, people asked, well, how could this happen? We have the experience of Pearl Harbor. The experience of Pearl Harbor and other attacks on the United States to guide us. Now's the time for real leadership. Now's the time for real statesmen. And I'm not seeing too many of them, quite frankly. Which candidate today, among the Republicans, announced or unannounced, is insisting that we significantly increase defense spending without a whole bunch of footnotes about, well, we got to make sure this. Which one? None that I'm aware of. Zero. Which one? It's very unpopular today with all the problems we face from inflation, from the open border, critical race theory, what's going on with our children, the difficulty for so many people in this country to make ends meet. But that's when you need real leaders and real statesmen. Prior to the attack on Pearl Harbor, our grandparents and great-grandparents were in the Great Depression. Were they made of stronger stuff than the rest of us? Because I'm starting to think in many cases, yes. Yes. But in many cases, no also. We had the same kind of movement with Democrats and Republicans prior to us being attacked at Pearl Harbor. And isolationism, a pacifism, even in the face of Imperial Japan rising, conquering, even in the face of fascist Italy rising and conquering, even in the face of Nazi Germany rising, conquering, spreading. We have to accept for reality what's taking place. Not to start a war, but to protect us. This is not a priority. With senators, it's not a priority. With Chuck Schumer, who runs the Senate, it's not a priority. With Mitch McConnell, the Republican leader, hasn't been a priority for decades. 
And as best as I can tell, it's not a priority with many, many people who many of you support in the House of Representatives. Well, we're pushing wokeism. Well, we're doing that. I got it. But that's not an excuse to accept defeat. Should a war break out, the logic is unbelievable. Our borders open, so we should be pacifists and isolationists. We have the lousiest generals and admirals one can think of out of the Pentagon anyway. And so we should flatline our defense spending. No, we should remove the generals and admirals as soon as we can. I heard Donald Trump talk about this the other day. Maybe it was today in a video that he released. But here's the point. Is anybody who wants to be president, forget about the idiot who's in the Oval Office, anybody going to speak out on the Republican side in a coherent and comprehensive way about the need to rebuild our military, There is no way the communist Chinese should have more ships than we have. No way. We used to have a 600-ship navy under Reagan. It's now under 300 ships. Under 300 ships. With more obligations and more responsibilities throughout the world. We're running out of ammunition because of the Russia, the Russia's war on Ukraine? And so the answer is what? To cut off Ukraine? No, the answer is we need to build up our industrial ability to manufacture what we need, whether it's to help Ukraine, but most importantly, to help ourselves. Recruitment. In the United States Armed Forces, is at a record low. We're missing our targets. We don't have enough pilots, for God's sakes. Who among the Republicans is leading the charge on this? Nobody. Because they're scared. Of you. Not you, you, but you know what I mean. This is cyclical, that we're in a period of pacifism. The enemy knows it. The enemy knows our history. The enemy's on the rise. And they intend to take advantage of this and exploit it. The admiral in charge of our naval forces in the Pacific. He again has warned today, we are not sufficiently prepared. Should China invade Taiwan, we are not sufficiently prepared. Should China take out a U.S. vessel? And nobody knows this better than Xi, the communist Chinese. What are we doing? People can throw around names, Warhawk, neocons, chicken, whatever. I am behind this microphone. I think I have a public responsibility to help protect our liberty and your children and your grandchildren. These wars, big wars, 
big wars with big powers and big weapons. Not using satellite wars or proxy wars. Direct wars are monstrous. Your children and grandchildren won't be a volunteer army. It'll be a draft. Monstrous. We should do everything we can to avoid this. But we should never surrender our liberty. That should never be the choice. Our enemies should fear us. They should fear that we are so powerful. With the biggest navy on the face of the earth. More planes and pilots. Plenty of ammunition to take care of whatever we need to take care of. That they don't even dare think about. Taking us on directly or indirectly. But that's not where we are today. So who are the great leaders and statesmen? On this issue. Where are they? Then we turn to Russia. This is embarrassing. The number of people in this country and in the Republican Party and pseudo-intellectuals and pseudo-conservatives who pretend that Russia is benign is shocking. How many of you have relatives, direct bloodlines, who fought in World War II in Europe? I do. Do you? Most of you do. Well, we're not imperialists. We're not colonialists. We didn't take all that land and keep it to ourselves. We gave it back. We helped build up these countries through the Marshall Plan. We didn't take Patton's advice and turn our guns on Russia. I heard some guy, Jerry somebody or other, who the host called a superstar for the Wall Street Journal. I don't know him. It's a British accent. And he said Russia would never invade Poland or a NATO country. It just wants Ukraine. And we know that because it invaded Ukraine. Now, this had to be one of the dumbest things I've ever heard. In order to get to Poland, they pretty much have to go through Ukraine. But why don't they listen to what Vladimir Putin says? Why don't they read what he's written? Just to, just to blow this off, to broom it, like, well, no, it's not an issue, it's not going to happen. The fact of the matter is, that is his plan. And you know who knows it? The Polish Prime Minister knows it. The Romanian Prime Minister knows it. The leader of Finland knows it. The leader of Sweden knows it. The leaders of the Balkan states know it. That's why they're providing everything they have to the Ukrainians. The Ukrainian people are fighting for their survival. And they're doing a hell of a job. How many people have we given weapons to where we've actually had to fight their wars? We don't have to fight the Ukrainian 
defense against the Russians. They're fighting it themselves. And if we stop supporting them, they will lose. They will be massacred. And the Russians will line up their tanks and anything else they have on the border with these other countries. They know it. The Russians know it. History tells us so. But why would you chance it? The Russians are bogged down in Ukraine. Nobody thought it was possible but the Ukrainians. They're bogged down in Ukraine. They've had, I've read, 60,000, 100,000 casualties. And then I hear Republicans positioning themselves, trying to figure out what to say about this. And they have mostly settled on, we spent enough money, we don't have a plan for ending the war, this can't go on forever, it's going on one year. So, we need to withdraw our funds. Then what happens? Russia rolls through Ukraine, then what happens? They have no idea. None. Apparently they don't care. They haven't thought it out. But they know that many of you, even though we haven't lost anybody in that war, that you don't want to do it anymore. What does China say when we do this? China says they think Ukraine's tough. Wait until they see what we do with Taiwan. What does Iran say? Okay, now's the time. Attack Israel. In other words, people who claim to be concerned about war and provocation will create World War III and endless provocations. Peace through strength. What do you think that means? Reagan started it. Trump picked up on it. Peace through strength. It's not peace through appeasement. Peace through pacifism. Mark the Vin.